1: Hi everyone, I'm Lori and this is Chillin' With Ice, where legends live on. My guest today is an actor, comedian, that played alongside Arnold in True Lies and other, so many other movies. One of my favorites also was Nine Months. Um, there was a fight scene in there that I'm gonna talk to him about that was hysterical. There was Animal Factory, uh, Medea's Witness Protection. Oh my God, Jeff, he's had so many. And- Way too many. Way too many. He's been on McHale's Navy. I mean, God, let's not, you know, go back that far, and of course, one of my favorites, Roseanne, and so many more. I met him at the New York Comic-Con. Sweet. Yes, and this is Mr. Tom Arnold. Hi, everyone, I'm Lori, and welcome to Chillin' With Ice. This is where legends live on, and my, t- my guest today is an actor-comedian that has played alongside Arnold in one of my favorite, True Lie movies, um, other movies, as far as nine months. Oh my God, Tom! We got to talk about that scene where you actually wrestled with the dinosaur. Fucking funnier than shit. Animal Factory, uh, Medea, Medea's uh, Witness Protection. Oh my God, you've done so much. Uh, Mikhail's Navy, my one of my favorites as well. Roseanne and so many more. And actually, I met this man at the New York Comic Con, and this is Mr. Tom Arnold. Welcome, welcome.
0: Well, here we are. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of yours, too, of your work, of your body of work. <laughs> My body? <laughs> I'm obsessed with, uh, with, uh, the, with, with the gladiators, the, the, the performers, those kind of performers, to be stunt performers. And, uh, you know, you're one of the best. And you're, you're in excellent shape. A lot of times when people get, I don't know how old you are, Lori. I'm going gonna, I'm I'm gonna
1: gonna to tell you how old I am, Tom.
0: I'm 65. I'd be in great shape for 65. You I'm, see people- I'm 60. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're, you look amazing.
1: Thank you. Here's,
0: not everybody our age looks amazing. We're, we're special.
1: Yes, we but are. We, <laughs> we,
0: yes, we, we no, are. No, I don't, I don't have to do this, you know, but I, I will say my, my son watched True Lies the night before last. And I saw him watch it. I came in there. He wanted to stay up late and I said no. And then he saw him watch the true lies. And I'm like, okay, you know how to, he knows how to work me. So we sat there and I was thinking, uh, the terrorist in it, he, he looks like he's 90 now, but Arnold <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Lee and myself, uh, looking, I, uh, my son says it's a big difference, but I said, I can't tell difference between us then and now. And, and he's like, no, it's a big difference, but it's not, you know. We're, we're, we're trying to hold on to it you know
1: I hear uh, you man I remember I mean hey when I was at New York comic-Con and I was I was setting up my booth and all of a sudden you came walking down the aisle and I I turned and I looked at my girlfriend and I'm like holy shit, that's Tom Arnold <laughs> so that was so cool meeting you there
0: it was very cool meeting you there you got a lot of positive uh, uh, stuff you know you're, you're, I'm curious how you maintained yourself thank you you know as we get up uh, you have know, any kind of tricks I, you know, I was talking about another guy, what's his name, dynamite? Dynamo? <laughs>
1: oh, I love it. Nitro.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he was- I'm going to call very, him
1: diamino now.
0: <laughs> no, but he was very on it when was giving me some tips as I went by and, and this and that. And uh, because, you know, you people know your shit. Yeah. You know what, what it takes. No, and there's a lot of phony stuff out there, but you guys know because you have to know. It's like Arnold. I trained with him one time, and before we started True Lies, uh, Jim Cameron called and said, hey, man, do uh, you want to uh, have Arnold go to your house and uh, work out with him? And I was like, yeah, I believe I would I would be okay if the greatest bodybuilder that ever lived came to my house and worked out with me in my unused home, gym." And so I woke up the next day. I, the door, someone said door at 6 a.m. I answer it, I'm like, oh, shit, Arnold. <laughs> I, I forgot you were coming. Oh, hey, everybody I've ever met is here though. Guys, it's fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, man. Can you believe it? Now let's where is my gym? Okay, upstairs. Let's go do this thing. And we did it. And that night Jim Cameron called back and said, What side do you want Arnold there tomorrow? And I said, I don't. And he said, Why? (laughs) Number one, now I can say I worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And number two, it's incredibly stressful because he knows so much about the human body, maybe more than anybody ever. And, and he really tries to help you. Yeah. And he has a system where he looks at your body up and down, which I'm not a fan of people looking at my body up and down. Like I get it. Uh, and he, he has to compliment you on one body part. he's like, Tom, you have a fantastic, uh, left shit. <laughs> then, then he starts on my, in my trouble spots. I got a lot of goddamn trouble spots, man. So, uh, so that was it. That was it for, for working out with him. And, uh, but, and I've said this before, you know, it was great fun making that movie. It was seven months, got to have fun, got to ad lib, working with such great people, and we all stayed friends. And it was a huge hit. And I, I, I remember telling somebody, I bet all movies are like that. And it turns out, no movies are like that. No. So We had a but Arnold and I stayed bonded, and I think it's because first of all our trailers were side by side, right? Mm-hmm. And and he outside his trailer he had a semi truck. Retrofitted into a gym, like he was, and so each side of work, I'd come out and he'd be like, "Do you want to work out?" I go, no, "No, no, I'm gonna go over here to, <laughs> to Jerry's Ice Cream." Like literally, <laughs> the funny thing we did, we walk out. I go this way, he goes that way, and how I knew we became best friends in in real life was because the movie went over time and over budget and it started to get to Arnold. And one night I'm like, uh, "Okay, well, enjoy your workout," and he's like, "No, no, give me two pints of rum raisin." And from that point on, he he stopped working out. He got so depressed. He gained weight. Yeah, he was eating ice cream all the time. And uh, and see, here's the thing: he could never have, have pulled me up to his level, but <laughs> you the can fact, pull I in. pulled him down to my disgusting level. Now, you ask any man: that's friendship. That, that is, is. <laughs> you know, he's all depressed and everything and chubby. That's <laughs> I, we are we're really friends. <laughs> that's
1: awesome! What a great story. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it is, it's funny. I mean, I I think if Arnold came over and uh, actually worked out with me, I probably couldn't move for the next probably two to three weeks because I'd be so damn sore. (laughs) Uh,
0: uh, Well, it depends on what kind of workout you're doing. But but, uh, (laughs) Arnold came to this country in 1968 with nothing like a pair of short shorts, I imagine, and a, a tank top and like 38 cents, and every dream he's ever had had has come true exactly.
1: isn't that amazing
0: it is amazing i mean
1: i watched his documentary and it was just like insane everything that he wanted to do
0: yeah and i thought documentary series was good because it did uh, the, the, the bodybuilding the sports stuff personal mm-hmm. stuff and then the movie stuff and i thought he was uh uh really honest and uh you know i mean it was uh you know he's got a good legacy man yeah, he's good. He's a
1: good dude. So now let me let me uh, transition here because talking about documentaries, uh, I want to know your take on this as well. Um, I actually watched the first episode of your sister's documentary, uh, Queen of Meth, which was just absolutely amazing. And did that turn? Did that documentary turn out the way that you expected it to turn out, or thought it would turn out, or was you know because? after doing my documentary, you know, we had a five part series and yet I was in two days of, I think, six to eight hour interviews. And I was like, holy shit, what's going to land on the floor? What's going to actually make it in the, the documentary? I mean, what was your take on it? Were you happy with it? How it turned out?
0: Well, you know, people had approached my sister, my, it's called the queen of Bath. My sister was the biggest drug dealer in America. And uh, people were like, Were you embarrassing your sister was a drug dealer? I'm like, not when I was doing drugs. (laughs) But, uh, you know, her second prison term, her first prison term, I I helped her, got her to women's prison camp, really nice in West Virginia, Alderton, the one where Martha Stewart went. I mean, it was beautiful. And it was fun for me to go down and talk to women, (laughs) because you're never as appreciated as you are. When you're in a women's prison you're like hey i like it here there's a lot of times um but then she went back to doing it again uh, uh dealing drugs and so second that time i said to uh the judge you got to put her in place with some kind of chemical dependency component like a real prison because otherwise this is gonna and so they did and uh um, she uh you know and, and she was very, very depressed you know you get depressed when you're on another 10 year term and, and I said, uh, Hey, write a book, right? Sit down there. I'm trying to think of something she can do, write a book, you know, uh, about your life, give something to do, focus on that. So one day I get about a thousand page uh, book from her and, uh, which, uh, I did not immediately read. It was, I'm still a little, I'm still a little sore from the whole thing uh, going back in and, uh, you know, and what it did to her kid and mm-hmm. everything. So, but, uh, Eventually, I started looking at it, and uh, you know, I've written a book, it can be done. <laughs> um, and,
1: uh,
0: and but but after she got out, people would contact her to uh, they wanted to film it, they wanted to do a documentary about it, they wanted to do this. And I it, she would run stuff by me, and I'd say, Yeah, that's not right, that's not I don't think that's right for you, I don't think it. And then uh, these guys, the last guys, uh, it, you know, they uh, sh- they they reached out to me and said, we're thinking about doing this thing. Here's our credits, they have great credits. And, and here's how we see this, you know, because my thing was like, you can't uh, make it all funny or, uh, you know, you can't make it all horrible. You know, there's a middle thing there. And I was worried about my hometown because Ottumbo, Iowa, or Art lawyer and I's hometown, man. They take <laughs> the city of Beth, a, you know, but there's a lot of good things in that town, a lot of good people. And I wanted to show, the whole picture mm-hmm. you know? and so um, it uh, uh i decided i would uh do it too. Yeah, go in for a couple days and do stuff um i am also aware how they do reality tv unscripted tv that they set you up for things mm-hmm. you know i've been a uh, on it well, one reality show uh in, in south africa uh it, i needed the money very badly this is seven over seven years ago and it was one of those, I'm a celebrity. Whatever you're competing with those celebrities. And the the idea was, they I, they at night you would get an airplane and you jump out of the airplane.
1: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> the whole darkness, the world's biggest game reserve, and you get to bring nothing, which uh, which I brought a lot of Xanax, which hell yeah, recent slip on drugs, and so uh, you know. Uh, I, from the moment we got there and it was me and the other people were Australian. It only aired in Australia, which is to me the, the like, and like Miss universe, Australia, her bunk was next to my, we were outdoors. We were the food, they didn't feed us, you know, and, uh, they, they wanted us, uh, arguing, which it turned out to be easy for me. <laughs> and eating the, the competition. So they'd say, who, who will get on top of the world's biggest, uh, uh, uh what do you call those waterfall and bungee jump off there and there'll be a, a, a fish that big a rubber fish in the water you have to bungee straight you know when you bungee jump you don't necessarily keep your eyes open though. but you have to bungee up, and i've grab, never bungee jumped oh <laughs> and pull it out and then you get uh dessert oh so, my course, god about that whatever it is they chained me What type of who'd be willing to be chained to the bottom of the ocean And then try to figure out how to get yourself out of it. What the fuck? I "I will do that. (laughs) (laughs) How much food? I will do that. But, uh, we, you know, they also, there were. That's crazy shit. You actually did all that, Tom? Yeah.
1: I don't even think I could have done that.
0: There's no way. You've never been that hungry. (laughs) uh, Maybe. (laughs) I I just didn't care. And it got so, um, you know, when everybody gets there, they do their biography. Hi, I'm Tom Arnold. I'm from America. This is. I've done these things and that things and whatever. And one of the women who's beloved in Australia, because she got a silver medal in the Olympics, and as she's telling the story, the American cheated. The American (laughs) used uh, uh, performance enhancing drugs. She was all natural. Anyway, people love her. When uh, about a week and a half in, maybe a little longer, uh, I, I was snapping. And I got, and everybody turned on me, and I was like, "Fuck you guys!" It boo hoo, you American, it kicked your ass, so you're boo and blaming the drugs. Tough shit. You got to <laughs> fucking. You're lucky you got sober anyway. <laughs> she cried, and then uh, the audience. Then it was the day before you vote. Your first person off, and I was praying it was me. I was praying it was me, and and the producers came back and they said, uh, they said it's very close, but. A, <laughs> It's Tom. We want, and then they told me as I'm walking away, we wanted you to fucking stay on this show because people, you know, people just uh, hate you. I know, I don't I,
1: they, everybody loves to hate one person. That's hate, just reality hate, shows.
0: These other, these uh, some of these documentaries, you know, they kind of lead in questions, and and uh, I said, uh, you know, the little things I would do. I, I used to play in a band. They, I said I'm not going to play uh, play drums for whatever reason. And I came to the interview. There were a set of drums. Hey, there's a set of drums. That happen to be set up here. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And I said, I'm not crying. I'm <laughs> not. I'm not going to do that. This is uh, because you know those are just things I wanted to be aware of.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So um, it was all good, all good. And then the the, uh, the guy, the director, handed me a, a transcript of my sister's her he, her pleading when you when you plead for mercy. You, you talk about your life and how fucked up it was that got you here and very specific stuff. And that, one, and that one, I lost it. Yeah, I was trying to read it through. And I felt I should have seen it coming, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but with my sister, I needed, you know, my sister's like, oh, everything's great. Yeah, you know, when I, when I sold drugs, nobody died instantly, like now with these young people, whatever. And, uh, and obviously people did die. And obviously it was had a devastating effect on, our town and the towns around it and the lives of so many people. Because so When she got arrested, she was the boss. There, there are 45 other people that were under her got arrested. So there are children uh, that we grew up with that are being raised by their grandparents. That happens in America all the time. Mm-hmm. Too much.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: then at the end, uh, I was done and Sasha was with me. And she, so I, she, <laughs> I took her around my town. It is disgusting. I'm gonna say, like cousins are bragging about being married to cousins. It's a lot oh, going on, but it's where I grew up. I, I, you know, and the guy, I get a text, hey, come and say goodbye to your sister. And they give me the address, uh, so, I, so I get the car. And as we're getting closer, I go, oh, that's where that's that's the uh, cemetery, that's Charles' Cemetery. What about this about? And I thought, is this a setup to do something? With me? So. I said, I'll walk by our mother's because our mother was such a big part of me, it. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> she ruined my sister's life, you know, she did it. And uh, I, I'll walk I'll walk by her and so will it, say something. And anyway, and uh, and the guy, the producer told my sister to say, don't you think it's time you stop blaming your mother for whatever, forgive your mother? And I lost it. And yeah, I, I saw he- that. It yelled and uh, I could see Sasha in the truck behind just tears and uh uh you know i tried i I, it was a it was a thing that's a that reminded me a lot of growing up too and then i got that car and sasha was weeping she she couldn't even drive i had to drive she was just i'm just afraid that's gonna make you look so bad you're so mean and uh no but it it, it, It that was pretty good. I think, Honestly,
1: yeah. Tom, that scene right there, that was an intense scene, but it was a great scene and you could but, see your the, passion and how passionate you were about it.
0: And I think you do a documentary. You got to have historical facts, but I think the, the best ones you have, I mean, you give up control. That's it. Yeah. And nobody, you know, they made two movies about Rosanna and I's marriage that were just awful. And, uh, but I remember when I was doing Nine Months, uh, Hugh Grant says, Hey, uh, one of the movies was airing while we were filming up in Dappa. And uh, he's like, Those fuckers. And it was on Fox. And, and Nine Months was a Fox movie. True Lies was a Fox movie. And I was so pissed at them for doing this in the middle of filming another successful movie for them. How dare they? And Hugh Grant's like, like, Hey, man, j- just go over. It'll be the boys. We'll just we'll forget about it, right? You know, when it's supposed to air and I walk into his uh, house, and everybody is there, and they're all watching. This oh movie, shit! Which is funny. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the people have complaints uh, uh, the way they come off as a comedian. I know people in my family. You know, it's best not to. It's best just to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Not to please everybody. But uh, yeah, how, so your experience, what, what what do you give your experience? With?
1: It was interesting because we, I mean, obviously the first documentary was ESPN that came out. And
0: that's, one I that's what I watched first.
1: Okay, so that one, that one was interesting because of the fact the creator contacted all of us and said, hey, they're going to do a documentary about me. We'd like for you to be on it. And we all kind of got together and went, bullshit. This is not about you. Nobody fucking knows who you are. We know this is going to be about the gladiator. So we all opted, a lot of us, I'd say three-fourths of the team opted out not to do the ESPN documentary. So therefore, that's why the creator on that ESPN documentary got to talk shit about me Said that I was a fucking crybaby, blah blah blah. I was
0: like, what, <laughs> fucking whatever. I, you know, <laughs> and, and, and they, I'll tell you, they showed, uh, I believe, the one fella, and man, to see his picture when he was uh, performing with you guys, and you know, he was so fucked up physically. he could. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. You know, you're you're watching that. I mean, I think that's important to show too that, you know, these uh, sports and. and uh, it, even if you're careful about the sports, you could get, you know, uh, hurt badly. The, the thing I got out too was like, you guys were like, uh, animals to them. Okay, oh God. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, uh, obviously you, you loved it too. There is a, which is important. Like, okay, I get what they think of us as, but I'm, I'm digging it. This is what I'm going to. So, uh, that's why I was excited to see the second one. Yeah. And, uh, because you know, I you do miss when, when it's not all four Beatles, you're like, there's something missing. If it's a documentary about the Beatles and they're and only one of them's there, yeah, well, you, you you feel uh badly, and so I was grateful that you guys did yours too.
1: Yeah, that one that one I was excited about, and that was the one we weren't quite sure how they were going to portray us, you yeah. know, when I did all those interviews,
0: it was so different too. Then the other one, the other one was a sort of a cinema verte kind of thing, where they're setting up different things and have uh, if they since they didn't have you guys they had to rely on that fella in the background. So oh
1: God, I know.
0: Get, uh, so you can have two documentaries, yeah, on the same subject, and have it be completely different.
1: What was so fucking cool about that one that the doc you did with your sister was all that old footage. I mean, I was watching this and me and my girlfriend were like, holy shit. I mean, you guys were able, I mean, I, I don't even remember taking old footage when I was a kid. You know, yeah. our parents did not. And so it was so fucking cool to see that you had all that old footage.
0: Yeah, my dad did that. That, that was, was
1: insane.
0: insane. You know, and uh, uh, I think was yeah, because we were kids, people sort of just started having those new cameras. Yeah. But I'm grateful for it now just in my life because... You know, you watch that, and you go, okay, that happened. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That really did happen. Holy shit! <laughs> I have to watch it again. Now, another one. It's funny because Jeff, he goes, uh, he goes, dude, he goes, you got to talk to him about this. He sent me a clip this morning about the <laughs> the nine months movie when you um actually had a fight with the dinosaur, and I was laughing my ass off this morning. Was that a lot of fun to film that?
0: Yeah, it was, and. Uh, uh, yeah, it's funny because the stunt guy, let have a safety. Anyway, he's in the he's in the RD costume, and then uh, we go. I go with the safety guy, and he's like, "Okay, here's the deal. You can hit him anywhere, <laughs> what you want, except this eye cover is a uh, is metal. That's the only place you can't hit him. Is in the eye. I go. I got it. I got it. Easy. Easy. Bam. And and then uh, we start going. I attack the the RD. He's insulted us. And, and I, one of the first things I did was hit him in the eye. And not, you don't see it in the movie. But I knocked him out. He was knocked <laughs> out. And we got his head off. And he had a cut like a D. Oh, shit. They're like, you got to go to the, you know, give him smelling salts. You're going to the uh, hospital. We'll get somebody else here. He's like, no, no, I want to finish <laughs> it. He had his buddy, the other I taped this shit up. And then we did it again which i have a lot of respect for but um, later in the movie it was a great fun scene and people like that but later in the movie we're in the delivery room with robin and julian Bohr and jody cusack and you grant and it's it's very chaotic and i, I don't I, I think that because uh, that rob williams was our doctor there's so much stuff they shot that they that the movie had been five hours long he's so funny but there's a point where I'm supposed to punch Hugh Grant for this chaos scene. And we get to the point and then, and then uh, here it comes and he's like, no, 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 no. And he calls the director, Chris, Chris, uh, Christopher Columbus, Chris, Chris, the director. I don't trust him. No, I don't, I, I, he's going to hit me in the face. I don't. <laughs> I've done a lot of, of, uh, uh, studs, studs in my own sense of movie. I get, I see this line on the floor i'm not going to cross the line i'm going to go right up to it and then i can't and I, we did it very slow and showed how it looked like he he's gonna hit it in the face but he wasn't he wasn't even going to be that close right and he's like okay okay i trust you and then we get going and the scene gets going and then he comes out and i step way over the line smash him his nose oh the- shit! and he and everybody was silent he's like bloody hell and uh, <laughs> julianne Porter who was not a hugh grant fan who is in the bed give birth to the baby goes bloody hell and then for that moment everybody call it bloody hell <laughs> his reaction was worse than me punching him in the you know in the face so yeah you but you got to be a little careful you know you don't want to hit uh, you know
1: yeah i know the- i've actually i've been in i've been in some of those fight scenes before and it's like you either have to go to the side you got to just like do another inch they have to react but you're gonna hit you're gonna you're gonna make contact at one point in time. It seems like, so let me ask you this: Did you always want to become a comedian growing up?
0: When we were but my son and I were watching True Lies, and my daughter came in. Uh, I Billy Lucas is great stunt guy, and because and Arnold will be on the horse, and then this happens: Who is that on the horse? And there's some incredible stunts of Billy Lucas they made him up to be Arnold, but I forgot how many great crazy stunts he did. And now, you know, once you know a person, you kind of see in their eyes, you know, they can fake a lot of things and people, the ordinary bad doesn't go frame to frame, but, uh, they had great stuff that all that.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. There have been some times in my life where I had more questions than answers. When the American gladiators ended, for example, I was heartbroken. And for a short time felt confused and very unsure of who I was. At that time, I decided to seek some help and I'm so glad I did. It validated for me what I was feeling and just having someone to talk to made all the difference in the world. Look, if you're struggling or just have some unanswered questions like I did, please know you're not alone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited for your schedule. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash ICE today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ICE. Did you always want to be a comedian growing up or is it more of being an actor?
0: Well, I grew up, I had a single dad. I'm a single dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I... uh the only time we heard our dad laugh, he worked in a factory and came, he did his best. And he was 18 when I was born. And my mom was 16, she was gone. But uh, uh, the only time we heard him really laugh, there'd be a Bob Hope special on. Bob Hope was this comedian. And, and he would go around to Vietnam or uh, uh, you know, Korea, visit the troops all over the world, and put on these big shows, big, big TV specials. And you have beautiful women, big, you know, not, not filthy, but. The kind of stuff that old dad would go, that's, I like that. But yeah. Have we ever heard dad laugh? And I remember being upstairs with my brothers. I'm like, whatever it is that Bob Hope does, I'm going to do it. You know? And so one of the first jobs I got when I moved to Hollywood in 88, maybe in 89, uh, I, I did a Bob Hope special. And, uh, but I think Bob Hope was, uh, 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 I don't know. We're dressed in tights, Robin Hood and very I don't know what it was. But Bob Hope called my dad and he wrote, he signed a whole bunch of shit for my dad. Very, very cool. And, and the real magic was then my dad in the same living room where when I was a kid, he would watch Bob Hope. He uh, uh, got to watch Bob Hope with his son standing next to him. So that's a pretty magical magical thing. Yeah, I
1: would dad. imagine.
0: But I, uh, but I wanted to, be a comedian. I wanted to get out of my hometown in central Iowa. I wanted to not work at the beef packing plant anymore. And I I, I thought uh, that if I could be on TV once as a comedian, uh, that everyone in my hometown would would love me, which turns out not to be. <laughs> 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 you know, you see me going forward. I, I go at my third year on the kill floor of the beef pack plant. I go. I got to get against the University of Iowa. I got to get. They have a stage up there. Well, will open my guy that's where i gotta and uh and, and i'll tell you there, nobody in my town did things like this they nobody went oh i can be an actor i'm gonna go but people would lock you up if you start talking about that because it's so crazy and even at my third year at the meatpack flat this but this meatpack flat was the best job in town and there was benefits and we had a great union at the time and my third year you know i was trying to save the money for college and i and i went wait a minute. Maybe I should just stay here. What I, how do people stay here? They get married, they have kids, I see, I see them and they're like happy to be here. And, uh, and besides my dream is impossible. Uh-huh. it's just, uh, how would a person from a tumble Iowa get to Hollywood? It doesn't even it doesn't make sense. I don't know how to do it. And then that night I went out, we had a disco called The Jailhouse, House uh, and get very drunk and we came out of there and on the street, I looked tr- on the street was, uh, Andy Kaufman standing there. Bunch of women around him. Andy Kaufman from the movie or from the taxi TV show. Yeah. And, and he, uh, and it was at a time when he was, uh, uh, wrestling women. And you know, <laughs> women's wrestling is very big when I'm from, very big. Just being a uh, university of Iowa men wrestling and university of Iowa women's wrestling, women. and so I went up to him like, oh, I'm thinking, how did he get here? And, uh and uh he came to there's a wrestling event at the coliseum or coliseum he went there he paid the women to stay later to wrestle with him he was preparing for something and then he took the whole crowd in his school buses to happy joe's pizza which is the best pizza you know and i thought i thought that i want to be that successful where i could take everybody to Happy Joe's pizza but it did i did realize if he could get here in some tube or whatever from uh Hollywood, that there's there's technically a way I could get there, and from that point on, I'm like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna figure this out. However, you know you gotta be crazy. And you gotta be stupid.
1: Gotta yes. be I creative.
0: Just, you gotta work for nothing. And, and uh, but you but know, you gotta love you,
1: that life too, because I
0: love the life. I love the life. I, <laughs> it was great. You know, I was by far my craziest, but it was I was with other crazy people, and uh, when I met Roseanne, my first ex wife. Uh, I just moved to Minneapolis because I went from Iowa to Minneapolis because they had uh, comedy clubs up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the club owner said, I met a woman in Denver. She's very funny. I want you guys to work together this weekend. I think you're going to hit it off. And so it was Roseanne before she was famous, but she was great. Great. And uh, we hit it off. And the woman that emceed the show, um, who's been now a very successful producer, uh, reminds me that, that uh, and I asked if we could borrow her car for a little bit and we never brought it back. Oh shit. Hard at But I would that was uh, that was enjoyable. You know, and uh you know, you don't get paid much for comedy then. You don't get you know, you still have to have a day job. Yeah. I working at a club which is a, a club. I, I was working there from 83 to 88 while Prince was making uh Purple Ray, Literally filming it in there. So, uh, right place at the right time. Um, I would not want my kids to live the life I lived back then. I could not do it, you know. It's uh, it, it we sleep on people's couches to do, but uh, but it was sure fun.
1: But you got to do what so, you got to do if you want to do that type of lifestyle. Now, do you, are the comedians nowadays doing basically the same thing? <laughs> I mean, living on people's couches, play, paying their dues. I mean, is it as tough today as it was back then?
0: I think that uh, that doer the there's big comedians are getting incredibly wealthy but that it's the middle area that's tough sasha when i met her when she started working for us uh four four plus years ago um she she was a comedian she applied for her job said she was a comedian and uh but but the reason i hired her is because she goes i had another person that's talking to you. Goes, i'll do all the shit work you want somebody to go to target get something for you to kids all of that all of this i thought well that's a good thing here and then i started talking to her i go what do you mean you're a comedian she just got back from a cross-country thing with some guys, sleeping on strangers' couches and shit. And and it reminded I was like, that sounds awful. Uh-huh. Like I, what does your dad think about it? And uh, but she loves it, and she still does it. She fil- goes around and films little movies. Uh, when she asked what I if she could sleep on the couch. We were uh, uh, she was working late. She lived in a uh, uh, Korea town. Uh-huh. At the- and, and she had, uh, she said, her roommate, this guy, he had they had a, one parking spot, and he used it even tonight. So she had to get there, find a place to park on the street. It's not, that's not ideal for a young woman to be have to do this. So I tip the kids. I go, let's get in the car. We're going to go see what this deal is. So we get in the car. We put our wagons. and it was a apartment that she shared with this dude. It was smaller than this office, and there's it, it, a shower curtain to Oh shit! I mean, it was it was rough. So then I uh, guy, we're packing this thing up. We're going to her up because I just was thinking, like as a dad, this would be just unacceptable. Yeah, place a dad. But, you know, there are, you have to think, be like that. You have to be sort of a bag vagabond.
1: Okay. And, and even that, I mean, today, I would imagine that it'd be so much more competitive because you have all the social media, you have all these platforms that you have to be on, you have to do this, you have to do that in order to hit the next levels to where it's like when you started out as a comedian, you just hit the circuit. I mean, as much as you possibly could do, but back then and now it's like, not only do you have to you know, do the shows, but now you have to do all this social media bullshit, <laughs> you know, to kind of keep relevant. Am I right?
0: I I, I don't, yeah, I, I like to post stuff about me and my kids, real things. Uh, you know, I have been at enough stuff. Yeah. You know, I've been at 150 I've, done, I've had a sports show. I've done all this different stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that people do, young people are very attuned to social media and how appropriate to do, we do that. do make their audiences. What happened during COVID was all the clubs shut down. And, and it forced, uh, uh, and they're almost all comedians of the game, like producers. They produce one night or one section of one night at the Comedy Store or the Laugh Factory, Improv, Ice House. And those shows, I love doing because there'll be six comics. And uh, they, first of all, they pay you a lot more than, you know, it's not huge money, but instead of getting $15 <laughs> the prop, you get at least $250. And do real short sets. And so it's good. And then what I like about it is I forget how great it is to go watch stand up comedy because it, the energy of the different acts, like uh, 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 they're all people you know about. And there'll be a, a woman, and there'll be an uh, a, 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 a Asian guy, there'll be whatever people. My energy is different. There'll be somebody that's very deadpan.
1: Mm-hmm. There'll be.
0: And so you get to see this variety of, of comics and, uh, it's pretty cool. It does remind me of the eighties at the comedy store where you did see a variety of comics.
1: Oh, I love and, watching Santa.
0: You know, so there's that. And, uh, but these guys, there's a group of guys There might be eight of them, six of them that book a lot of rooms and, uh, you know, you could keep, uh, you could, you could keep your week full.
1: Oh, I bet. So you also have a podcast. What's a, a, a divorce party. Is it still going on? You still doing that podcast? I know it's on your social media. I am. Uh, uh,
0: that's how big it is.
1: You have to ask story. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, watched, I, I watched a few of them and they were funny. And it's like well, my first thought went like this, Tom. I went, huh, yeah. have they had any um, lesbian divorced people yeah. on yet? <laughs> oh, but
0: no, I mean, not I, I didn't know you'd been divorced, was, <laughs> you're on. Yeah, we've had, by the way, but the best couples we've ever been the gay, the guys that stuck together, the guys that support each other, the guys that got on the other side of this. And they have all, the, the two couples, they all started out married two women, and it just and then they teamed up and, and they, they've they got beautiful children. I mean, it's very inspiring to me. Yeah, we've had a, quite a variety, but we, we'd love to have you. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a therapy place for me. I met a, a mom, Monica, Casey, my co-host, you know, you, you in the school parking lot picking up the kids and you're looking around like, uh, you know, because I haven't had a date in seven years. So you're in the school parking lot and you're looking around like, it would have to be somebody I'd have a date with that has similar age kids so they'd have a play date. Like, Come on, you're, you're, wait you're, a
1: minute. Hold on. Hold that thought. You're going to tell me that Mr. Tom Arnold has not had a date in seven years. How is that even remotely possible?
0: Well, it's very possible. It's Tell me why. Possible. Come you know, on. Because, because uh, and I, 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 to be really honest, I did have a hookup in Buffalo at the end of the uh, season. You know. And somebody, <laughs> somebody in Tampa came to a show there, and I started talking to her, and she's got two young kids, her own business, she's sober. Uh, uh, nothing happened there, but she on her own you know, flew up there, sat in the front row of the, with her friend. And, uh, uh, which I bought our own ticket and anyway, so that was, that was, uh, satisfying, you know, <laughs> I, it's easy. I think you go through, if you get divorced three times, you can still kind of go, Oh, those crazy bitches. You know, yep. but if you get divorced four times, you go, Oh shit, it's me. So yeah. it's <laughs> the that, uh, you know, I've been in court for seven years about kids and all this stuff. And it's, it's, uh, people used to call that a high conflict course, but it's not, it's it's legal abuse. I've never filed anything. I've never called the police on her. I've never, she, I've never been taken out of the house by the police. I've never done it and stopped in front of the kids. So, you know, that's just been a part of, you've got to get your shit together and go, I've got to feel better about this stuff. And also people would say, you should date someone your own age. And I'm like, have you seen people my age? <laughs> We're fucking disgusting, <laughs> you know? I said, plus no 64 year old woman is going, you know what I mean? I need a guy with two very young kids and not much money. There's no, <laughs> but I, I think that that slowly but surely, and some of these cons, you know, I met people. I was going to go out with that woman, uh, from the, the, from the Runaways, because I start talking to her, start talking to her sisters. Uh, I, I got to have her name before I get off of this, but uh, and she's great, and she's a wood carver in real life, and and uh, I thought, well, she also had been seven years, mm. so there low expectations i hope but you know i think things you know uh things can happen and uh again i've done so many things i guess cool things in my life that there's no you know if my my kids are not my daughter would be cool with it my son i could just tell he's,
1: he's like, like no way dad
0: no like, no, no. And, and uh but the podcast we have a lawyers it's called divorce party because yeah. the idea is you get divorced you go through your and then you have a party and then you move on like a barbisma. It should be, everybody should do it. Monica, uh, who was married to a guy from CSI, that's, and we, we did get together for lunch and talk about our shitty divorces. She, they, she's she gone on, now that they're co-parenting, this is years ago. And, and but she was the first person in her group to get a divorce. And if you're the first person in the group, the other people in the group are like, okay, we love you, but there is, I, there, there's a stink of divorce. We don't want that over here, uh, so. Hey, do your thing. But then she had a divorce party for herself when she has a lot of gay friends, too. It's helpful. And they yeah. went to a karaoke place and got drunk, and she vomited. And she, then, and, and after that, she made out with a dude, a stranger. Oh shit! Covered the bases. and then she felt like okay, I put this thing behind me. Onward and upward. Holy shit! So, but it's been very helpful to me understanding. You know, as I continue, I go go back to court uh, in. March. I got served Buddy here, uh, and the first time I wasn't served in front of the kids, I was. But she did call, and I could hear her talking to my son, and I'm getting everybody ready for school. Basically, she asked, "What time? So what time do you think Dad be home from school?" trauma? I got something for him. And so, <laughs> you know, um, but that is progress. But you know, this has been helpful to me. I think that when you've been in a very abusive relationship. You, it's you can't figure it out. First of all, you, right. like, you know, emotionally abusive, whatever, legally abusive. You're like, this can't be happening. This is, I just got to be, uh, you know. You're also juggling because you have these little kids, and someone is trying to do something to you, which would take these kids away. Yeah. But also, so each time you go into court and win, you're like, okay, that's that's worth it. It's worth the money. It's worth the whatever, the anxiety, and then it keeps happening. and happening. and happening. So, I think that, uh, that this next time, um, cause I've never got on the offense. i uh, you know, I filed for divorce. That's a bunch of that. But this next time, uh, we're preparing. Sasha has, a, uh, it's like a war room. You know, a war room? She has, uh, a, this stuff. Uh, this is a board that she's working on of all the, we, we get, we go over all the old stuff. And then time it's not, a lot of work to be done. But we read all the old documents. We go all, And then we're going to, uh, um, uh, Literally, literally, a line of this started seven years ago. About
1: oh, my God. Yes. Hey, at least you're not jaded. I mean, it sounds like you're going to, I mean, if it happens again, it happens again. I mean, most people at this point in time, they're just like, screw it. I'm not getting married again. Fuck you know this. I don't even want it in a relationship. I'm good with myself. I've got my kids. I've got my house. So many well, people I've met like that.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got to, before you marry someone, divorce them. Because you really don't know who you're marrying unless you get divorced. Then then, then all of a sudden you're divorced someone and they're like, oh shit, they want to kill me. Oh, (laughs) hell yeah. Oh, you go, let's get remarried. But you know, it's your life. um, You know, I really enjoy the minutiae of being a dad. I like the the, the kids and I are together a lot. And I mean a lot. Like, what, you know, I have two uh, side by side. Craftmatic beds the idea was when they were younger okay they could come in here and sleep on their bed mm-hmm. and there's so much conflict in their life and and now it's yeah, <laughs> i i don't have my own bed you know <laughs> i squeeze in there you know um and uh and, and whatever that's not something i ever thought as parent i thought as a parent i'm gonna be like no kids in here no this that but you just kind of you kind of bob and weave and uh what we have 21 cameras inside outside the house. They're rolling all the time because we have to if uh if she does something or she says or accuses me of something, we Sasha gets up, edits it, says to the judge, you know, and it's it's been very and the police come and I say, What did she say happened? <laughs> well let's go out and watch the tape. And then they haul her out of it. Holy but shit. It's also scary because so she's swatted us a bunch of times, me and the kids and we we're hopeful. And they she he's violent he has a lot of guns. And, you know, cops will come in hot. They got to. Oh, yeah, they do. You go wrong, ma'am. Oh, they uh, do. I, first time she did that, and, and, first of all, that was a lie. But the, the, I have a lot of guns. But I did have a rifle, a hunting rifle, in the garage after the cops left. And I, I, I pulled it out and I got a, a blowtorch and cut it up in little pieces so that, uh, you know, okay, just in case someone could get in there and dig through that, get in that creek. But, uh, yeah, you do. You do, but I wouldn't trade it. Uh, it's been going on a long time.
1: So let me ask you this: Being a single dad, I mean, you say your dad was awesome growing up, and yeah. usually kids, it's kind of like you either go the complete opposite than your parents, or you wind up kind of as fucked up as they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's I, like
0: I, I wanted to be like my dad. I was like, I'm going to be like him. You know, he's solid citizen. Uh, you know and my mom was married seven times in our small town and fucking drugs and alcohol crazy she made my sister marry a 22 year old pedophile when, when she was 14. i mean she's a crazy uh but um, but when uh when you're 14 you can decide which parent to live with and i knew if i moved in with my mom i could drink i could do drugs i'd fucking drill my hair so i'm at that age you know i'm gonna do it at the moment i get it get in over there she says, uh, hey, listen, yeah, you can bring your girlfriend, I didn't have a girlfriend, you can bring her over here and you can fuck her if you want. I mean, that's how she <laughs> talks, I never heard anybody talk like that. Uh, there's uh, booze in the fridge, you know, got some diet pills over here. I'm gonna leave for two weeks. Jesus. So I, in, in that moment, I had a lump in my throat because I really, I made a terrible mistake. My dad did have rules. <laughs> he did yeah, have rules. at least. But uh, I made a terrible mistake. Now I." As i got to know my mom like i'm not going to be like that I, but it, it turns out i was half like her and half like my dad i did get addicted to drugs like i did i happened very poor times, not seven but four and so you know i, I when i work on myself I'm more like my dad who's an incredibly honest uh guy a little boring but um you know very uh thoughtful and uh but like, man you, you can go both ways if you aren't right you could get you know, and uh, I think my sister went hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was insane. That was intense. I had to
0: take those things, and you, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm a work in progress. Every day, uh, I take things one day at a time, as, as we're told to do. Yeah. I also take being a father. I, I, I assume, you know, I've had some health shit too. You know, where I uh, had uh, massive organ failure, uh, life support for living. And a little stroke after that, and then a, like the, the fucking horrible cancer surgeries, which are paid ass this year. But uh, I uh, and my kids are cognizant of that. Like they, they you know, especially my daughter will not leave my side. We had to. She wouldn't let me go to the potty with her, for her long Island, Would you potty thing? And I did post a picture of us sitting in there on the potty, and and uh, you know, and, and so uh, being close like that is is a good thing. But I think that you know. It's important each day. I say, what What if this were the last day with these guys? I just, That's why I say I can't let the day end in a bad way. You know, nobody's going to bed angry. You can say what you want. It's not like, oh yeah, we'll fix all that tomorrow. We won't fix it. But I just, I just think to you know, and you give a little more effort when you're like, well, this could be the last day. You're a little more patient. You got a little more energy. You try different things that are, you know, don't seem like they would be interesting kids want to do it so you make you make them interesting. So dude, you sound like
1: a good dad. You sound like no. an awesome dad.
0: I also used to have to consider what their mother had to say. Yeah. You know, do it as I can to take it out. Any good idea she has, I'll, I'll use uh and then maybe and she'll use why. Well she's she's never said no to anything and uh, or yes to anything. In fact why she's taking me to court is in September the kids and I went to my stepmother's funeral in Iowa. We flew there, missed, missed a couple of days of school. Uh, it, it, my stepmother was, you know, my mother never raised us. She was as close to a mother as I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, she was great with my kids as a grandmother. All my brothers and sisters were there. I felt it was important we go. Now, I was aware that my ex, yeah, we still had something there about mutual uh, consent to travel out of state with the kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I never said no to her. Right. I have never said, if it's about seeing her family, yeah. Uh, her dad died. She took went to Arizona for two weeks with kids. Took them out of school. Why? Why would I say no to that? Right. But she consistently said no, and in a way to uh, alienate my kids, only for me, but from my family. But I thought, fuck it, we're doing it. So yeah. Um, she, and, and she wrote a thing. She goes, "I heard not from you that you're going to Iowa with the kids for a funeral. I do not approve that." Which she puts it right. There's this app that we communicate with. Like, I would never put that in writing a lot of stuff. What the me. fuck? It, that's just
1: selfish.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's sad. It's very selfish. And uh, I'm going to, when I get in front of the judge there, I'm going to say, listen, did I violate this thing? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it I did. sucks. I said, there. I, there I, I, I tried to set a precedent that I let her do everything, but this is the situation. You know, I'm 65, these kids are 10 and 8, uh, the last person in my family died, uh, everybody was there. I thought it was important to go. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to ask that all that kind of shit get removed from our our stipulation. Shit. Um, Because the the less conflict, the better.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: We don't have to talk. We don't have to see each other. Yeah. We don't, uh, you know, um, but the less of that, and and I think ultimately I need to also be in charge of their medical decisions or whatever. Yep. I would listen to her, but she'd make such bad decisions that. Uh, but we'll see what happens, you know? We'll right, see. exactly.
1: Kind of sucks. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time out today. Seriously. I mean, I have watched you my entire life. I think you're funny as shit. I love you. I love your movies. I mean, having you on my podcast is truly, like, seriously an honor. When I met you at Comic-Con, I was just like, oh, my God, he's as cool as I thought he would be, you know? So thank you for that.
0: i that of yours. And uh, I was like, look how fucking good she looks. So, you know, I know I did a sports show. I know there's guys I idolized and then you see them and, you know, you see they, a lot of Kenny walk. you know, they're so hurt. They're doing oh, yeah. it was like, oh, my God, she's killing it. Hey, listen, next time let's wrestle. Hey, dude, yeah.
1: I mean, you're doing that. I'll rush you all day long. Um, <laughs> when are you doing? Because I know that I'm finally, obviously, after the, uh, the documentary aired, we got back out there and now we're starting to do some autograph signings and comic cons and shit. So trust me, I know this is not the last time I'm going to see you. I'm sure I'm going to see you at a bunch more because you're signing now, aren't you? I mean, this is yeah. a privilege and so cool for people to actually come out and meet you in person. You know, I noticed you had your kids there. It was awesome.
0: But don't you love it? I mean, people, there are people that hate doing it. They shouldn't do it. You got to love people. You got to be patient. It's like being a parent. Uh, you got to like it. Say, yeah, I dig this thing. This is another form of what I've done for a living. This, is, this pays the legal bills. It pays whatever. And you got to enjoy it. And I, There's a lot of people watching. You know, I got to uh, connect with you guys. And there's, oh, uh, I'll tell you the last story. On the way back from that. That My son, who's Ted, we're sitting on the plane. By the way, I was
1: right in front of you on that plane. Oh, I was.
0: Th- I, were you right in front?
1: I was three seats in front of you. And I, I, I heard a little bit of chatter behind me, but I didn't want to, you know, it's just like, I'm not going to interject. I'm just going to let them have their conversation.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? My son said, that's ice. I go, did you have a hat on or something? I'm sure what I, I you- did. I, I, I was like, are you sure? So Some, let somebody put the hat on. My son knew you, it was you. I go, I'll, I got to better say bye to her on the way out. So you, we did say hi, and I was like, I think that's her, but there's a hat. Like yeah. you weren't to say I don't. But I always said, my son's so always like, Dad, you're old, you're old. And I, I heard Paul Williams, the, the you know the the singer, songwriter, actor, little guy, silver guy, long up He's sitting here talking to Jason Patrick, who's a very nice guy too. Talking, and I said, Hey, uh, see that guy right there? He's 20 years older than me, so <laughs> And he is still there. and then Edward J. Almost behind me said, I'm ninety-three. I go, You gotta be shitting look at this guy, man. He's carrying his old bag, he's traveled by himself. And you know, and then it was time to stand up on the plane, and I heard somebody laughing at uh, uh and uh, D Wallace, who's great, behind yeah. me the mom from E.T. and said something and I said, What'd she say? She said you have toilet paper coming out of your hand Okay, I kinda not it not I was I had toilet paper on my shoe, which is fucking embarrassing, you know? right? <laughs> the waistband of my pants. So I tried to pull up, pull up, and then Edward, everybody was laughing at that. And so I'm like, God damn it, son, you gotta you're got my eyes and ears shit like that. Right? My <laughs> son uh, kept saying, embarrassing, as there's something Drake Oh, my God. And then God, we got man. to luggage. I was looking for the actors who had just witnessed that fucking. Yeah? So I- so we go, hey, everything's cool, just want you to know. <laughs> and is the only one there. She's like, Top, been there, she said. Which made me feel kind of good. But, you know, you're feeling the top of the world. You got all these people around you. You're like this. And then, you know. like toilet
1: paper that. hanging out of your ass.
0: <laughs> Pulling the bathroom of a double cleaning up and. I don't know. I I look forward to seeing you. Hey, if
1: we can't laugh at ourselves, shit, we're fucked. (laughs) You know?
0: (laughs) Absolutely right.
1: I will see you again. I know I'll see you again at these Comic-Cons and tell, I mean, do me a favor, tell me, uh, tell my listeners where they can uh, find you and what your next Comic-Con is, by the way, where you're signing. Do you know? That's
0: not a good question. I don't know what it is. I think it's in a couple of months. I do every couple of months. I'm trying to think where I am.
1: I'm actually uh, going to be in Kentucky. I'm going to do Lexington, Kentucky in March.
0: Or, yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I'll do whatever I can do. I do, you know, this uh, is a strike. I had to book a lot of, uh, uh, stand-up, yeah, and, and any Comic-Con. I've always, that's really paid, you know, paid my legal bills these last few years. I've been, just been very grateful for that. I'll be somewhere, I'll be in this area doing stand-up, um, you know, uh, always, and then I'll go to, you know, somewhere, to a casino somewhere or something. Right. You know, I still write stuff. and You still do, that,
1: you still, I mean, you're still acting and doing movies and... and oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I do uh, three, three or four movies a year, you know. And, uh,
1: if they ever yeah. say, hey, we need a really buff looking hot chick, kind of like oh. Gladiator, go, I know the girl.
0: <laughs> yeah. You do it. Hey, but I want you to call the Divorce Party uh, podcast. I would love yeah, to. You. It'd be fun. But you're very honest about shit. All right. All right. All Thank right. you.
1: Thank love you. you. Love you too. Mr. Tom Arnold, everyone. Thank you. And this is Chilling with Ice and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Chillin' with Ice. And don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, and share wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember to follow us on Patreon and YouTube at Chillin' With Ice. And on Instagram and TikTok, you can follow me at laurie.ice.fetrick. I look forward to chillin' with you next time here on Chillin' With Ice.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old.